Need a new set of optics? For more than a decade, Riton Optics has been providing optic solutions for hunters and shooters of all types and disciplines. Check out their Primal line for those products geared more towards us hunters. From binoculars and spotting scopes to your basic 3-9 to nine scopes and longer range crossover models, the Primal line from Riton was made for hunters. Learn more at RitonOptics.com. That's Riton, R-I-T-O-N, Optics.com. Howdy, and welcome to the Where to Hunt podcast, the podcast that connects public land hunting enthusiasts. Today is May 28th, 2019. I'm your host, Eric Clark. I am back from vacation. Thanks for tuning in. As always, it's super appreciated. I've been seeing reviews come through via Facebook on the actual like, you know, recommendation portion. I've been seeing the ratings increase Week over week, I've been seeing comments come through on the feedback through iTunes. So um, if you if you know somebody that loves hunting and might appreciate a, you know, an OK podcast, I'd appreciate the share, too. Uh, it keeps me going on today's show. I bring on guest Haas, a.k.a. the Arrow Doctor, a.k.a. Bruce Ritter Clark with Ethics Archery. We talk about their brand, their products, their mission statement who they are, what they do, why they do it, and also get into some of the nitty gritty, as uh, D-Rock would say from East Coast Bowhunters podcast, about, you know, what is front of center and how much is too much, et cetera, et cetera, and how you can actually call the arrow doctor himself to learn how you can set your bow up for more success in a worst case scenario and kind of get yourself a little bit of an insurance policy. So in any event, um, <sighs> I don't think I took a breath in that whole entire sentence. Um, I'm back from vacation. Florida was great. We were at Disney World with the fam, caught some bass. It was very magical, as one might say. Shared some of those posts on Instagram, I think. And, uh, you know, it's good to be back in the groove here. So we'll be at it again next week. And um, I'm kind of rambling. So <laughs> I'll go ahead and bring Bruce on now. Thanks, everybody. Uh, on the line with me, I have... Uh, Bruce Ritter Clark, a.k.a. The Arrow Doctor, a.k.a. Haas with Ethics Archery. Bruce, what's up, man? What's going on, man? Thanks for being on the show. You're in... Oh, thanks for having me. You're in Montana, right? Anytime, anytime. And you made a great effort to just reach out, and I really appreciate that. It's hard to line up some of these guests, and you made it very easy for me, which is... It's usually my job to make it easy for you, so you've been a champ. Right. Yeah, I'm usually a pretty good, so, uh, pretty easy guy to get a hold of, man. <laughs> yeah, you said you take like 20 calls a day. We've been chatting offline for a little bit here, oh. testing audio and all that. And uh, you seem like you really give a shit about what you're doing in a major way. There's a lot of passion wrapped up into what you do. Well, you know, I mean, that's the only way that we're going to make, you know, when you deal with a company and uh, you're building a company and you're, you've got a product, with it, regardless of what uh, venue you might be in, um, the companies that stick around have people behind them that just 
you got to have a passion for it, man. If you're not if you're not passionate about the products that you're making and the strides forward that you're trying to make, you're not going to get very far and you're not going to last very long. Yep, you burn out pretty quick. I've talked about that with a couple others on the show, and it's interesting how how fast you can burn out if you're actually not passionate about something. But well, yeah. dude, let's talk about let's talk about um, ethics archery. I got some show notes here. We'll follow them as best we can. We don't got to stick to it. It's a framework, but let's just. Have you tell the audience a little bit about yourself, how long you've been hunting for? Well, I started uh, shooting a bow and hunting when I was about 14 years old uh, in Arizona. And um, Oh, wow. Yeah, that was, uh, I, I didn't even start with a gun. I started with a bow and a boy. never put it down. <laughs> never put it down. That's all I do is bow hunt now. Yeah. That's it. So you don't even, you don't even gun hunt at all, at all anymore or ever, I guess. No, I I, I've never gun hunted until this this past year. Um, you okay. know, transparency is a real big thing with me. And, um, you know, I get, like I said, I talk to so many people on a daily basis, um, not just through social media, but, you know, direct phone calls through the company and stuff like that. And uh, I get a question asked me a lot, and it's, well, why do you prefer to bow hunt? And for years I've told people, you know, I, I've explained to them why I like to bow hunt but I wasn't actually answering their question legitimately because I asked well, why I preferred it. Well, I've never taken a big game animal with a firearm. So I got to thinking last year, how can I look somebody in the face and tell them with all honesty why I prefer it when I've never done the other. So last year I forced myself to go out during the gun season. I went, you know, put my rifle out and uh, shot my first big game animal with a gun last year. Um, so that I can accurately explain to people why I prefer it. And and that all being said, it turns out you still do love archery. Absolutely. It's don't get me wrong. I loved my gun hunt. Um, it was a good time. Um, it was a little bit different for me. Um, I'm used to the whole. I'm used to being more exposed than I was because I was actually in a in a tower blind that we have to have on that property that I was hunting. So that was kind of something different for me. Um, the whole dynamic of the hunt was just a little bit different and I enjoyed it. Don't get me wrong. Um, it just didn't give me that same adrenaline rush for as long as it does when I'm bow hunting. And I didn't get that same sense of satisfaction that I did, that I do every time I harvest animals with my bow. And so for bow hunting, it's the adrenaline rush and that, that close encounter, kind of being close in proximity, feeling that, that you seem to be drawn to more? Yeah. I mean, it's you have to be so much closer. You've got to do a lot more work to make it happen unless you just want to, you know, really lucky. <laughs> and luck still has a lot to do with it. Um, yeah. It, it's the work that you have to put in. That I think gives me that satisfaction because I have to work so much harder. I don't know if anybody, you know, for the listeners and stuff like that, man, if you don't know who I am or seen pictures of me, I'm not exactly <laughs> the smallest guy, okay? So it doesn't matter what kind of camo I wear. I don't really blend into anything. And uh, <laughs> so I got to work a little bit harder to get that close. And, um, you know, the, the shot that I made on my deer with my firearm uh, was a 175-yard shot. So I didn't really have to get that close. Good distance. Um, it was funny. I was trying to self-film it. I actually knocked the tripod over trying to get the gun set up 
<laughs> and it made a big old funk and nothing. Now, if I'd have done that in a tree, it would have been over, you know? Oh, and, yeah. Uh, <laughs> didn't even get the shot on camera like I was hoping to. And, uh, yeah, it was just a different dynamic. I enjoyed it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I've been enjoying the meat ever since. And, uh, I mean, so there's definitely nothing wrong with it. It's, I just prefer the bow. I dig it, man. I, so I prefer the bow too, but I, what I like about rifle for me, and at least in Wisconsin, um, it, it, it's a camaraderie of our gun season, you know, going with the, the fellas and my dad and having that, you know, group setting. It's, it's the archery. I'll just, I'll just wake up on, you know, some random weekend or weekday morning and go up by myself, like, and try to be all ninja like, and there's something about that that I love, um, more than, but having that once in a while get together is, you know, once every year get together is really something for me. I so it's totally more about the camaraderie than the gun. Done it. Yeah. Now that I've done it, I totally get that. So it was kind of, I'm, I'm not going to lie, it was kind of nice to take a, a, a short, you know, three or four days that I was <laughs> out there. And I didn't have that sense of urgency that I normally have with my bow, right? You have this urgency, like, man, I got to get it done as soon as I can because the way bow hunting goes, it's, it's almost feast or famine when it comes to comes to bow hunting. And you never know yeah. what's going to happen. But with the gun, right. it was kind of cool because there was a couple of us out there and we were staying at. So uh, I was actually hunting on property that uh, leased by Adam Gibson. He's one of the guys over there at Victory. And uh, he's a uh, ASA pro. And okay. he's a friend of mine. Great guy. And uh, he invited me to come out. I mean, he's, he's been kind of helping me learn the whitetail thing. Again, like I set up from Arizona, so my my forte is is open desert mule deer hunting, and uh, cool, dude. So I've been learning this whitetail thing, and he's been he's given me the avenue of seven different farms in the area of Indiana where we're at um, to kind of put what I've learned book knowledge, based you know uh, YouTube that kind of stuff, and all the research I've done on whitetails, and the over the last five years putting in the time in the field, he's actually kind of followed me around and guided me into putting that quote-unquote book knowledge into the field and applying it and uh, kind of helped me learn that stuff even better so you know I'm definitely grateful for that and uh, but it was kind of cool because there was a few of us there and we got to just kind of hang out and I didn't have that sense of urgency we could just enjoy the camaraderie like you said and it didn't feel like I had that weight on my shoulders like I got to get it done because it was almost like, you know, bow hunting these places, I, you see deer all the time. I mean, these places are just packed full of deer. It's getting them close enough to get a shot, right? So I didn't, yeah, I had yep. no doubt whatsoever. You know, I'd taken the gun out and I, and I zeroed it in at 500 yards. So I had no doubt I was going to shoot something. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> so the, the, the opportunity it, to get really from a kind of shot. Well, it's good to hear. It's good to hear you that what? you did it for the sake of, it's good to hear that you did it for the sake of, Look, I've done the one. And I've only said, you know, that's what I like, and that's it. But let me try the other to to make sure I'm really speaking my truth. And you know, there's some respect in that and that decision. And you, it's something like you had fun, which is even better. It's an extra bonus. I did. And I you did. got one. I did. Bonus on bonus. Yeah, I got one. Yeah. And so you you and primarily it, hunt. Do you, is it is it public or private property that you hunt? Well, actually, so for the majority of my hunting. You know, since I was 14, it's all been public. Um, I'm, you know, benefit of growing up in Arizona and growing up in the Southwest and the West Coast. 
the majority of our land is public access. Um, so, you okay. know, we don't have that same problem that guys in the Midwest have or even on the East Coast where everything's private. Um, so I definitely had a benefit of doing that. But uh, as far as Indiana, we are hunting leased farms that are quote-unquote private. Um, and that's kind of where I've been doing most of the whitetail hunting. Um, but as far as everything else, it's all been public. That's good to hear. We're a public, public land-centric podcast. There's nothing wrong with private land. It's just I talk about what I know, and that's the only land I get access to. So I stick with what I know right. so I don't sound like a, like a goof. But I, I usually sound like a goof anyway. But um, let's talk about ethics well, hey, archery you know, and – oh, go ahead. I was just going to give you props for getting my last name right. Thank you. Yeah, for anybody that listens to the show consistently, everyone knows that I messed up the last name, but when you share part of your last name is is the same as my last name, it makes it easy. Same with D-Rock over at East Coast listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. shout out to D-Rock and the East Coast boys over there, uh, for sure, man. That's a great guy. uh, Hiding away in the mountains of God's heaven, right? Yeah, well, there you go. Thank you for sponsoring such a filthy, raw, and dirty show. <laughs> you guys must have balls. <laughs> no, you know, you keep... the thing about it is, man, is it's real. And uh, it, That's just it. Yep. It's not for everybody, uh... but guess what? You know what, man? You, you know, that is hunting camp. You know what I'm saying? It's, Absolutely. It's where you can get, get the hunting community together in hunting camp. You're not being watched by social media. You're, you don't have... Um, the public eye on you. You're just out there enjoying what you love, and you know what? You're gonna let you're gonna let things slip, man. And that's just you're you're gonna kind of relax, and that's just the way it is. You know, you're gonna you're gonna I, you're gonna cuss a little bit more, and you're gonna talk about some subjects that maybe you wouldn't talk about in public very much. And uh, but that is hunting camp, regardless of, of who you are and where you go. You kind of relax. Hundred percent. I like. I uh, I had the opportunity to guest on their show a while back, and and I I was like, you guys, I'm not even sure what happened. I I was I swear a lot, right? So I filter myself on my own show just because you know when you have a different guest on every week, it's kind of hard to you know know what they're like. And I've even had people that like literally they don't swear at all on the show, and yeah. uh, you know, so my show is a little different. When I got to to be a guest on theirs, f bombs were flying all over the place, and I loved it. I loved I it. I was like, this is this I love you're you're enjoying it for sure. <laughs> yeah, and I'm enjoying this too, too, man. So like, that's awesome to hear that that you sponsor those guys. I love it. They keep it real, and and they're they're one of my most common callers. So D Rock or Trev or one of those guys, if they call in, you know, we'll be happy to to know that that happens. But let's switch gears and and have you talk a little bit about Ethics Archery as a brand. Like, you know, why the name Ethics? I'm always interested in the name. You know, what does that stand for? How'd you guys get your start? All of that stuff. I'll let you kind of go with it. Wow. Okay. So this one might be a little long-winded. I'll try to keep it to the point. So we actually rooted ourselves in, in ethics archery got its uh, start in traditional archery. A lot of people don't know that. Uh, we were originally going to start off as a bow company. Um, that didn't quite work out. Um, a side project started up with the whole spinning insert thing. And, uh, it just kind of took off from there and the bow manufacturing aspect of it kind of went to the wayside for a long time. And, uh, yeah, yeah I'm, I, I've actually just recently, recently become one of the, uh, part owner of the company. 
Um, so Congrats, man. The other, thank you. Appreciate that. And uh, the other major owner, the majority owner, is Scott Dzowski, and uh, he's, uh, you know, he was a United States Marine for some years, and uh, so we are a veteran-owned company, and uh, very, very meticulously and strictly American-made. We do not use any materials from out of the country, um, we, and we want to keep it that way. Um, so we're 100% American-made, veteran-owned. And if you actually look at the logo, the colors of the logo are gold and red. Those are the yeah, Marine Corps that. colors. That's what we wanted to stay with. Rah. Um, to kind of show that. And, um, you know, so we started in traditional archery, kind of got into the component thing, and that's kind of where it ran. And uh, we've just been running with it ever since, man. And basically the, the name Ethics Archery, the reason why Scott chose that na- that name, I was not around when that happened because uh, I believe that started, uh, I want to say almost 16 years ago. It's all kind of started. Holy and, shit, uh, okay. Yeah. So the thought behind the company's name is the products that we're trying to produce in the thought process is to make every hunter out there more ethical it's about the animals that we pursue um of course we do have our target lineups too so uh, as far as the ethical aspect kind of came into that but it, it was rooted in hunting and uh, our products are designed to make the hunter more ethical because during the process of preparing for a hunt we have as hunters so many variables that we can control right? And arrow building is one of them. So by choosing a better product that's designed in mind about structural integrity, about penetration, about ethically taking that animal as quick as as possible, right? Um, That's what we all search for. It's what we strive for. So that's kind of the basis behind it. We we just want to make everybody Ethics is a big thing that's, that's talked about in the industry um, as far as being an ethical hunter and taking ethical shots. Shot angles, distances, poundages, broadheads, that's kind of a given, right? But yeah, yeah. the arrow build itself, up until recently, the last few years, has kind of been overlooked. And we are changing that game. We're going to change that mindset in this industry as we've been striving to do that. And we've been very successful in doing so, and we're going to continue that strive. And because here's the thing. You're not going to go out and spend $10,000 on a blueprinted bench gun, like a rifle for long range, right? And then run factory ammo through it and expect it to perform. Sure. Right? Not going to do that. Well, the archery industry for years has been doing just that on an archery aspect. I mean, they're going out, you know, folks are going out and buying flagship bows, fifteen, sixteen hundred dollars They're buying all the high-end sights, their high-end rests, and all this high-end stuff. And then at the end of it, they go, well, I got a hundred bucks left. What can I get for a hundred dollars for an arrow? And then they want it to be the best thing that they've ever shot. Well, it doesn't work that way. You've got to, the arrow is the only part that makes contact with the animal. So why wouldn't you focus your efforts into building the best projectile that you can build? And that's so the that's mindset a, we're trying to change. 
You know, the name Ethics Archery, first of all, I love the Marine Corps colors, Semper Five, by the way. And then additionally, um, so that's awesome. That's a great detail that I did not catch. And when you said it, it hit immediately. Um, but I will say that Ethics Archery, the as someone who's just been introduced to your brand fairly recently, you know, you get, you, you put into the market what you hope you know, will resonate with people as you envision it would. And I'm telling you from the outside in being a, a new member to your brand and community, it struck the chord that it was meant to. Um, you mentioned you initially had started off as traditional archery. It has that feel with the broad head kind of in the logo and the, and the type of logo that it is. It feels like it's got this chiseled stone look to it, but yep, the name itself. Yeah. So you've nailed it there and I'm a marketing guy. So I pay very, very close attention to this stuff. Um, the name Ethics Archery did what I thought it was, which was essentially like, I want to make an ethical kill. And you hit the nail on the head there when you said like, that's what, that's what we all strive for. That is the most important thing to me when I hunt, period. I won't even consider taking a shot if it's not going to be ethical. And so when I hear guys taking 60 yard shots, I'm like, holy shit. The only guy that I know that can do that really, really well is, is Greg, um, you know, out of the East coast. Um, his last name is escaping right now, but he's, you know, an outstanding archer and, um, he can do it right. I can't. And I have self-awareness around that fact and I won't dare take a shot like that. In fact, really it's hard for me to justify taking anything over 25 yards, but you hit the nail on the head, man. And, and thank you for explaining it. That was a big question that I had. I know it's a silly one and and we'll get into more of the meat here, but that's a great place to start. And it's great that you mentioned that, uh, like like your own personal ethics, right? That's another issue that's been coming up, especially on social media, is the whole like shot distance thing. Like you brought that up, right? And it actually applies to our company very well because we have so many different products. We have over 400 different SKUs, over 400 different products now. And we have something for virtually everybody. If you can envision or fathom an arrow build, we've got a component to fit it, to fit your needs. And so for me, you know, being from out west, you know, I, from the day I picked up a bow, I'd say about six months into it, I started practicing at long, long ranges, right? So for about, what, 15, 16 years now, 17 years, um, I've been shooting out at 120 yards with my compound. You know, really? I've been doing it every day. Oh, yeah. I've been Damn. doing it every day. And, you know, I mean, am I going to take a shot at 120? No. <laughs> but I know when I practice at 120 and I can shoot, you know, give or take about a seven, seven and a half inch group at 120 yards on, a, on an average, right? I mean, I got my good days and bad days. But if I know I can keep that kind of a pattern there, then when I come down to 60, 70, or even 80 yards, that group is getting tighter and tighter, right? So I know yep. if I have perfect conditions, which I have to be the judge of that, perfect conditions to make an ethical shot, I know I can make it. Well, then I have the ability to do that, and I can set my equipment up for that type of shot. But not everybody's that way, right? Guys in the Midwest have never had to shoot anything that's past 40 yards, even in practice, right? Most shots exactly. are 20 to 35 yards. So am I going to tell that guy, well, it's only ethical to take a 35-yard shot. No, his his max might be 40, right? Anything past that might be ethical, uh, unethical for him or her, 
because yeah, of he's his own, right? their environment, right? He eats their own. So I think the whole ethics thing um, as far as shot distance, stuff like that, shot angles, you know, whatever, whatever game you're hunting is very subjective to the person. And that's where we come in because you can effectively tailor that arrow build to your personal ethical shot distance. So you can build that arrow for maximum penetration, for maximum durability at that distance. Yep. And we have a we have a product for that. So we're super versatile to make every hunter as ethical as they can be, regardless of their skill set. That's uh so that sounds like one hell of a mission statement <laughs> if I've ever heard one. You know, and, and you mentioned like shorten it down a little bit. <laughs> yeah, well maybe, maybe not. But uh you know, you mentioned before we hit the record button that you guys are, are trying to become the standard in, in your space and I think that speaks to that really, really well. You know, that yeah. the the why statement of what you guys are doing um is impressive. That's our goal. Our goal is to become the standard in this industry. And you know what? We've made big strides in doing it. And I have no doubt we're going to end up being there, man. And I think the biggest aspect of that, to be honest with you, is our customers. Um, and yep. the way we interact with our customers. Because we are a company that highly encourages good. And anybody who's ever talked to me on the phone will tell you, I repeat this umpteen times a day. The last thing I tell a customer, hey, man, when you get the product, please call us back, leave a review, whatever it is, good, bad, or ugly, we need to know. Because if we don't, you know, if all we get is all these praises and all these good things, we're not going to change anything. It's putting it to use in the field and having concerns from customers on any kind of it, uh, improvement we can make, we need to hear about that. Because the more and more we hear about that improvement, the more and more we're going to do it which is only going to make the product better. And we're going to continue to do that. But we work really, really well with our customers and getting all that, you know, both positive and negative feedback to make better products. Absolutely, man. And I ask for the same when anyone, no, you're right. Not a lot do. And the ones that do stand out in a major way, you know, I, I talked about, you know, when I had uh, Chad Sylvester on with, um, well, my brain is still in vacation mode here. I just got, (laughs) so um, with Exodus trail cam, you know, he's got the no bullshit warranty and uh, there's just certain companies that are starting to stand out because they're, they're going above and beyond to just look at one of the quotes I heard from uh, Gary Vaynerchuk and I, I got to meet him in April um, was doing the right thing is always the right thing. And that's a silly statement, but it rings true to me. And, you know, it sounds like you guys are kind of on that track as far as just look, just do the right thing and, and treat people fair. Um, yeah. Nice work, man. So I'll keep things kind of just progressing here a little bit, but you mentioned something earlier, uh, FOC or front of center. Uh, Can you explain to me and the audience, you know, what does that mean and why is that important? Well, here's the thing. So it's been kind of the the big subject lately, right? And uh, there's been a lot of people that have been on the fence, pro or con, whatever, but there's been a lot of studies been shown. It's been proven in the field. And I take my theories and kind of what I, what I like to teach people about FOC higher max weight arrows. And I tell people, Hey man, you know, let's, let's meet up. Right. And this is not out of a cockiness or anything, but 
you can explain things to people until you're blue in the face, right? But when you show them and you really put the rubber where it meets the road, it changes things. They see it okay. working, right? So FOC is obviously it, it, it means forward of center or front of center. So we're okay. taking that typical, what I like to call a cookie cutter arrow. So if you walk into a bow shop right now and say, hey, look, I need a, a dozen of X arrows, right? with a factory component and a 100-grain broadhead. It's going to be somewhere in the ballpark of about 10 to 12% FOC. That's just what they come in at. So and 12 to 10% right, of FOC stock, right? Is that what, is that what you're saying? is where stock arrow is going to be. And okay. by boosting, taking that weight, using heavier components, heavier broadheads, right, and shifting that evenly weighted arrow and shifting that weight forward has so many different benefits and I don't want to go into all the technical details of it. Um, anybody wants to contact me, I'll be more than willing to sit with you and explain it in detail. But the, the benefits that you're going to get out of that is better arrow flight, easier tuning, um, more consistent shot placement, more consistent shooting. And by increasing the FOC, it actually helps boost momentum value. Um, this industry is so big on this kinetic energy numbers, and that's what they've been using for years. So these people are really uh, familiar with kinetic energy. Uh, kinetic energy has absolutely no effect on aeroshaft, period. None. That's not how we get penetration. Penetration is by boosting momentum. Momentum is what drives the arrow through flesh, bone, organs, that sort of thing. And by boosting your FOC, you're going to increase your momentum value. And the higher you go, virtually the better it gets. Now, there is going to be a point of diminishing return, right? That was um, my next question. So it's kind of a, yeah, there, there definitely is. And it, it all comes down to personal preference, right? So you have some guys that are going to shoot, you know, as far as the total arrow weight. Because anytime you boost your uh, a component weight, broadhead weight, you're adding overall total arrow weight to the arrow shaft, right? So, yeah, you're shooting a heavier arrow. Your bow is not shooting as fast far as speed right but you're transferring more energy to that arrow shaft and that arrow shaft is absorbing more energy upon the release so if you have more energy that's not dissipating through vibration in that arrow shaft by the time it contacts the animal it has more energy does that make sense yeah i think i'm following and I'll, I'll just yeah so so it's kind of question, hard to how, follow the steps. <laughs> I mean, the, the logic makes sense. It's just a new, it's a new thing for me to, to learn. And I'm sure the listeners, whether they're watching right now or hearing it later on in podcast land, you know, might have some thoughts on this. But, you know, I, I wonder, you know, you said, like, how much is too much? And it's, it's to each, each his own as far as preference. Um, but essentially, by yeah. just, just so I can break down the concept, right, by putting the weight to the front of the arrow towards the broadhead itself, um, yeah, that's going to give you more momentum, not kinetic energy, which is going to help you break through, you know, and get a, a stronger kill shot, if you will. Yeah. So the, the objective is to get two holes, one, one going in, one coming out. Right. By the way, get real quick, holes, Austin, Austin Summers and Connor Wakefield both say, what's up, Hoss? <laughs> what's up, man? My public land killers right there. 
That's right. <laughs> They're putting in the comment um, section. They must be they must be out on the public land scouting for something, so they can't call in. We'll see. Yeah, probably. No, those guys. <laughs> um. So, basically, if I was to put everything in a nutshell, right, to give somebody just an idea and a concept to think about. I like to tell people, build the heaviest arrow that you can build for your setup, right? Concentrating the weight on the forward, on the forward portion of the arrow. Right. Heaviest arrow you can shoot, it's going to give you, first and foremost, the best arrow flight. Okay? Then Got it. it gives you a trajectory that you're comfortable with. And it gives you a maximum distance that you're comfortable with. If you do those three things, you're going to have a much deadlier setup. And the reason why we do that is not for the perfect shot. Yeah, everybody, you want to wait for a perfect broadside shot. You want to suck that arrow right into that deadly little triangle right there behind the shoulder, right? That's the goal. Yep. But once you hit the trigger and that arrow is loose, you can't control anything anymore. You can't pull it back. You can't control what the animal's going to do. You can't control with, you know, we all have adrenaline at some, in some form. There's, there's going to be a level of adrenaline. And you can do everything right and still end up with a bad shot, whether it hits a little bit back, a little high, or a little forward in that shoulder, right? So the forward and in the shoulder bone itself is like a worst-case scenario. So what we're doing by using these, building FOC, building a heavier mass weight, and building for momentum is we're preparing for the worst possible outcome if it happens. So that makes sense. I dig that. Yeah, that's okay. Insurance policy. I was just going to say, it's kind of like insurance. Just in case shit goes wrong, you're going to be better off than you would have if you didn't do it this way where you, yeah, you're building in a bit more of not, not necessarily a full guarantee, but, Maybe as close to one as you can get. You're, you're you're putting the odds in your favor as much as you can. Is what you're doing. It's like the Hunger Games. You know, and this, <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of, I guess. And uh, so the the biggest misconception, especially on on social media, when we start talking about this stuff, is everybody's like, "Oh, so you're telling people to shoot at shoulders?" No, absolutely <laughs> not. That is not what we're telling hear people it. to do. Right? They they want to twist words, right? So we're not telling people build an arrow so you can shoot them in the shoulder. No, we're we're saying build an arrow to where if you do happen to hit it because of poor shot placement, if you hit a deer in the shoulder, it's poor shot placement. That's which happens, bad. right? They, they these things they but duck arrows, a lot. they jump. You're like, of course, yeah. It happens a lot, and if it happens. You're building an insurance policy into that system to where you're giving yourself the best possible uh, scenario, best possible um, percentage of making that shot retain and being ethical, still being able to get through that bone into organs and put the animal down as fast as possible so you're not wounding here. That's the thought process behind it. Well, that's perfect, and that's a perfect segue into great. Now let's talk about how your products help make that happen. 
right? So if okay. we're building in weight so, in the front of the arrow and, and getting it closer to the broadhead and at the end of the, you know, the tip of the arrow, how are we doing that yeah. with, you know, the, you have a lot of skews you talked about. I broke it down in the show notes to inserts and outserts, um, and then yep. under inserts, micro and standard, and under outserts, adjustable. Now, we don't have to get right. too granular and into the weeds on this part, but, uh, you know, kind of highlight some of those major benefits. And also, it sounds like it can work with many different broadheads, too. And I know I ask like 20 questions inside of one. That's just how I roll. Oh, you're good. So, you're good. Chew on that and, and, and um, you know, let's let's kick it into into the products that you guys actually offer. Okay. So first and foremost, just because we're known as a company for having products for FOC does not mean that if you're a guy that still wants all the speed and doesn't want to put FOC that we don't have something for you, we absolutely do. Okay. Um, we're just known for it because our products <coughs> Nobody else in this industry offers a weight range and the, the availability of the adjustability in our product that we do. Nobody does that. We have weights that literally go up into, you know, up, upwards of just a component from like 12 and a half grains total weight of the component all the way up to 250 grains in a component. Wow. Yeah. And it just depends on the arrow shaft and the build you're doing in the type of product, right? Um, but that's kind of our range, just in components for hunting components. Uh, our target components go all the way up to 400 grains for target point. And um, heck, we even, <laughs> we, have, we have this thing called a Y series. I'm kind of getting on a tangent here. Um, Bishop Broadhead Company, they actually have a 600 grain Bishop Broadhead, right? Obviously, for your giant animals that are on this planet. Say, what the hell are you shooting with that, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. So, elephants, rhinos, freaking uh, hippos, that kind of stuff, right? It's typically what that kind of stuff is used for, but they don't offer a field point for it. Nobody on the planet has one. So, we went <laughs> ahead and decided we're going to make them. So, we, we make field points start at 80 grains. 85 grains and go all the way up to 600. Jeez, dude. Wow. Yeah. So in, in, in addition <laughs> to the 600 grains that it comes with standard, are you saying you're getting this thing close to 1200? Well, we've got guys right now. Um, Zachary Waterfield actually just got some of these. He's a, a dealer of ours that actually just, he's military. He had a shop over in a uh, place over in Guam. Uh, just came back over here to Texas. And he's got a shop in Texas, and he, he just got some of the stuff to play with him. And I believe his arrow shaft was somewhere in the 1,300-grain range with that, with okay. a 600-grain head and, a, and, a, and one of our components. So, yeah, you can build some pretty heavy stuff if you want to, um, and anything in between. So, But as far as components are concerned, you know, we have our uh, outsert system, which is going to be a two two-part system um all most of all we, what we do except for the spinning technology spinning inserts is the only thing right now that's not adjustable in weight you have to choose a certain weight that we offer for each shaft everything else like our static adjustables our outsert systems our new direct bond system which is for glue on broadheads um, okay all of that stuff is going to be adjustable so for instance our 165 um 
outfit system. That's going to be something that's going to fit like a gold tip pierce platinum, a victory vast, a black eagle uh, X impact, that, that, that type of arrow. Okay. Um, our all stainless steel version is 120 grain to 180 grain. So it's going to come in 180 grain full length, and you're going to be able to cut sections off of it and adjust that weight for whatever you want within that range. Uh, we have another version uh, same, that fits that same arrow shaft on the lighter side that uses an aluminum internal post and a stainless or aluminum collar or footer system. Um, and that one's going to go from like 90 to 110 grain, and it's adjustable. And then our all aluminum is going to go from 45 to 65. And so when you so say adjustable, you're talking about these, these cutting points. You just kind of cut it at a certain point to get the weight that you desire. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. So we've actually grooved with our machine and put reference marks in there where to cut. And, um, you know, you can get online and look at our diagram, and it shows you exactly what the weights are going to be and everything. And uh, so it's kind of a guide for the user. And you just take a hacksaw, a Dremel, or an arrow saw, and cut them off. They cut super easy, super simple. And by doing the cutting instead of the weight screws like a lot of people are using nowadays, weight screws, even if you lock tight them in, repeated impact, they end up backing out. Hmm. And I've personally had this issue in the past. And for me, it seems like it doesn't happen when you're on the range. It happens when you're drawing back on a 320-inch bull. You go to draw back, and you hear a rattle inside your arrow shaft. Yeah, that's a problem. Not good. <laughs> so we're taking a variable that, not saying that it does happen on a regular basis, because it doesn't, but it, it can, right? So we're taking that variable, and we're getting rid of it. So in our system, when you cut it off, you never have to worry about them breaking off, like the break-off options do, because we okay. have so much meat there. They're not going to break off, and you don't have to worry about anything, you know, the screws back it out. So they're just variables that we're taking out of the equation. And that's why makes we sense. that one. That makes sense. And yeah. so to, to touch on, and I'm kind of skimming through your site right now, and I'm looking at, you know, the one image you have where it talks about the glue grooves and the cut points and different grains that you'll get by doing such. Um, what's a good rule of thumb as far as, you know, how heavy sh should someone start? And like, wh what types of things do you look for in someone's setup that might help them make a purchasing decision or where to start? Okay, so you know, because if it were me going into this blind, I would, I would buy something and be like, okay, well now, you know, how do I know where to cut it? Or what am I looking for? How do you fine tune all this? Cause there's right. sounds like there's a lot of fine tuning that goes into this to make it right. There definitely is. There, there's a lot of that. You know, you can make it as simple or as complicated as you want. Right. Um, so for instance, um, we can do like a mock-up deal right here. So let's say yep. you're a customer, one of the 20 or 30 calls I get a day. Somebody calls me up and says, Hey man, you know, um, Again, you know, one of my nicknames is the Arrow Doctor, right? They'll call me up and go, hey, I need a prescription. <laughs> I get a kick out of it. <laughs> my, and, uh, I think my bow is sick. I need a prescription. Quick. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So they have an idea. They've been listening to the, let's say, on the FOC side of it. They've been listening to it. They, they understand the benefits, and they don't know where to start. So they're calling me up. So if you were to call me, the first thing I'm going to ask you is, first off, what bow are you shooting? 
Step one. Okay. Okay. So okay. for me, What's I'm shooting a, a bear. I'm shooting a bear. Um, oh, Jesus. What the hell is my bear called? Elite? That's not right. I should know this. This is how much I, I seem to care about products. <laughs> <laughs> it's a single cam bear bow. I don't know the name of it off okay. the top of my head because okay. I'm well, running blanks all night. You actually gave me the, you actually gave me the information that I needed. Okay, so Good. when I ask what bow they're shooting is, I want to know what cam system's on it. Is it a speed style cam? Really aggressive, hard cam? Or is it a standard style cam? It's a little bit softer, a little bit smoother, right? A lot more back wall, that sort of thing. A lot more sure. balance. So I want to know what cam system's on there. Because it, it's going to change the inertia for in, in shot. Then I need to know what, what your draw length is. That I don't know. But I can tell you that I'm no, six foot right. tall and I got super okay. long arms. Sasquatch. Okay, you're, let's just assume you're 29 inches, right? Okay. You got 29 inch draw. I know what cans you're shooting. Um, then what, what poundage are you shooting? That I think is close to 60. Um, and I think it's an empire, by the way. The bow came to me. It's a bear em okay. empire. I think that's right. Okay. So shooting a 60 pound draw weight, 29 inches out of a soft cam bow. Okay. Or standard cam bow. So then we have to decide, okay, what kind of animal are you shooting? Is this going to be an all-around arrow? Are you going to be shooting whitetails, hogs, turkeys, elk, moose, bear? What are we hunting? Sure. So for me, uh, just whitetail, but I'm sure for others, whitetail. yeah, maybe, maybe different. Okay. Yep. So now we have to decide, okay, what type of arrow are you wanting? Are you wanting something that is just going to be absolutely devastating when it hits? It's like a freight train, right? Are you trying to maintain some speed? Are you trying to balance speed and weight, right? So you mentioned, you mentioned your founder uh, was in the Marine Corps. So I'll say yes. the way that I like to hunt is slow as smooth and smooth as fast. There you go. Okay. So perfect example, right? That pertains to FOC perfectly. Okay. So there's spectrums there, and it's, it's to each their own. Now, do I recommend going off the tr going off the wall and just going extremely heavy right off the bit wrap? You know, I don't really recommend that. You know, let's ease into it a little bit, right? So, for somebody that's easing into the FOC world, and we're going to balance that a little bit. For you, we have to choose what arrow shaft. Now we know what kind of arrow. We have to choose which arrow shaft based on spine. So you're going to choose the size of arrows that you want first. Is it a standard diameter arrow? Is it? Are you wanting a small diameter arrow or a micro diameter arrow? Interesting. So I'm pretty sure it's standard, but I know Greg Tubbs and Jeff Ganke are not watching because they're both busy, though they normally do. But Greg and Jeff were with me when I bought my arrows, <laughs> so they would know because they helped me pick them out. Um, so what arrow shaft do you currently have? Do you know? Uh, no, I don't. Uh, I don't know offhand. Okay. Okay, let's just say it's uh, um, Man, you got me all out of sorts here. This feels, <laughs> I love well, it. And, and You're like an actual thing, doctor. This is no shit why people call you the, the arrow doctor. This is great. Right. This is. What's your weight? Doc, I don't know. I don't know. I think I'm like 190. I don't know. Maybe 175. <laughs> right? This is great. 
So this this is how much thought process into building the proper arrow really needs to go into it. And it's not really taught that way and hasn't been over the years. It, it's growing and people are, are starting to put more emphasis into it, which is awesome. That's what, we, that's what we want, right? So believe it or not, this is an average call. I get a lot of I don't know. I get it all the time. Or I'm not sure. So let's just say it's a like a, like a black eagle, standard diameter black eagle shaft, right? Okay. Um, you, we're going to figure out what you want because chances are you probably don't have the right spine. The spine is so important. So I would then explain the differences between a standard, a small, and a micro and let you choose okay. from there. So let's say you were shooting a standard, but you decided we're going to go ahead and go with a micro. Let's just say. Um, which, let's call it a Black Eagle X-Impact. Okay. Now we have to figure out what spine you need. We know what kind of arrow you want, so we already know that we're going to have to bump up just a little bit in spine. So for your arrow, if you look at an arrow chart, would tell you that you should probably be in like a 350 spine. Borderline 350, 340, and then like maybe even a 300. I would put you in at least a 300. Okay. So we want to have enough spine there because we are going to put more weight in the front. The more weight you add to it, it's just, this isn't the proper terminology if you break it down scientifically. So those guys out there that we've had these conversations and <laughs> we don't need to have it right now. What we're going to say for people to understand, the more weight you add in the front, for the spine you have to go because it's going to weaken that spine. That's not actually factual, but let's just call it that people to understand. Got um, it. For you, my recommendation would probably be to go to the 110 grain system. So it's a 90, it's adjustable from 90 to 110. And I recommend with our system, keeping it full length. The length of the post is going to help in the durability. The longer so it no is, cut. the more durable. Just as is. No cut. I would so, okay, that's, that's, let me pause you for a second there because that's an important thing to know. You can buy the system at full length at the weight you need rather than maybe shortening the length of that Correct. system to get the same Correct. weight. And the reason Correct. for that, you're explaining. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to get to that. So the reason for that is materials, right? So obviously the heavier stuff is going to be made of 303 stainless steel. And the lighter stuff is going to be a combination of aluminum and stainless. And we do that for weight okay. purposes. Okay. But it's also, when you go to aluminum, it's not going to be as strong as stainless, right? So you want to, again, put the odds in your favor and have it as strong as possible, which is why you want to leave it full length. The more you cut it down, the weaker the system is going to end up being. So hmm. for your system, I would probably do... Um, the 110 grain outsert system. Um, I'm actually looking up here. I'm going to give you, we're going to go ahead and give some actual numbers here so we can kind of mock up this, this, this setup, right? It makes more sense to me now why you get 20 calls a day. <laughs> you get 21 calls a day now. I mean, like, yeah, huh, I need to know how to get this shit rolling. You need to help me figure this out. <laughs> because when I do math, it looks like I'm passing a kidney stone. So let's just start with that. Man. <laughs> All right. So we're going to go with a um, 300 spine X impact, right? Okay. So that's going right, to be so. right around 8.1 grains per inch on the actual arrow shaft. 
This is how we're going to figure out what your weight's going to be close to. So we're going to do 8.1 drains. Uh, you have a 29-inch draw, so you're probably cutting your – most guys are going to cut their arrow shafts probably at the same as their draw length, so the broadhead's just in front of the riser, right? So let's call it 29 inches. Yep. Then we're going to add the 110-grain system. I'm going to guess somewhere around 12 grains for your fletching, then 8 grains for total glue that you're going to end up using, 10 grains for a knock if you're not using a lighted knock. Not and using a lighted. Are we – are we using a 100-grain or 125-grain broadhead, 150? What do you want to use? Uh, I believe I'm using 110, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, the, I have some of the the Rage, or the, the Muzzy um, fixed blade. Muzzy? So they're probably 100-grain then. Okay. Sounds right. Okay. So that build right there is going to put you right around 475 total grain total arrow weight. Now, that is probably going to be about 50 to 70 grains heavier than what the average guy is shooting, because, uh, as far as speed guys, right? Because your average yep. arrow shaft out there right now for hunting is going to be anywhere between 380 and about 420 grains. So you're getting at least 50 grains, 55 grains off that. So you're going in the right direction, right? Me personally, I like to see people like 500. 500 and above is going to be a fantastic white tail arrow. That's going to be the worst case scenario. I, I botched the shot, hit the shoulder, and I'm still going to right. hopefully bust through all that knowing I've set myself up for that. Exactly. So 500 grains, I really like that, especially for an entry-level arrow shaft for somebody wanting to get into the FOC realm. And... 500 grains is kind of what I recommend, right? And it's really easy to do that. We're going to say, okay, we can still build the same arrow. Just instead of buying the 100-grain version, buy the 125. That's going to put you right at 500 grains. So if I'm testing this out, right, what's a good um, – can I shoot at plywood? Or what's a good thing to shoot at as a target to know that I've achieved that bust-through bone effect? Or is that not even you know, something that's, that's worth considering because I'm going to ruin some shit? That's the problem, okay? So there's so many people <laughs> out there doing so many different tests. Let's just be honest, okay? We can we can do stuff um, testing-wise to kind of get an idea. But the only way to really test it is on live animals um, because you're never going to simulate a live animal with any kind of product that you can buy and test on. It's just not going to happen. Um so that one's kind of a loaded question, to be honest with you. Yeah, well, um, it's, it's interesting because when I had – so I had Zeus Broadheads on a little while back, and I got some of their stuff on yeah. standby here that I'm looking to test out with Jeff, actually. And, um, you know, he talked a lot about just his product testing and, and some of the things he's swinging those Broadheads at to test them out. Yeah. But maybe that's just a different realm, right, because he's looking at, you know, how big of a hole can he make with what he has with the bleeders and things like that. So – that's where the question yeah. comes from. That and I think it'd be fun to shoot yeah. at some funny shit. So, Oh, we do it all the time. That's how we do our testing. Because um, we want to test for durability, right? So we shoot at all kinds of stupid stuff. Plywood, <laughs> bricks, steel plate. We, we shoot at all kinds of tires. We, we shoot at all kinds of stupid stuff. To test the durability of our components. Um, which is realistically the most important part of your entire setup. It's the glue or the or the foundation of your entire setup. 
is what holds the broadhead to the arrow and makes that transition. So you want to make sure that that component is going to hold up to the pressures of a hard impact. Because if the arrow, the broadhead, the component, or the arrow shaft breaks on impact at any point in time, as soon as it breaks, penetration stops immediately. Hmm. I'm trying to think of like a, another example of something that's really heavily weighted at the front. And the first thing that dart. comes to mind is, well, there's a dart. But for me, the first thing that came to mind was the... Oh, What's that freaking game you play in the backyard with the it's got the ball but the little net on it? What the hell is that game called? Oh. Uh I know. Badminton. Badminton, yeah. Yeah, so like that thing it flies because it's got all the weight in the front, right? Right. Just isn't, well, an, an, an analogy that I like to tell people is so you got your cookie cutter arrow, right? Your ten to twelve percent FOC. And let's say this arrow shaft, this build that we just talked about for you is probably going to put you in the ballpark of about 16%. Okay? Okay. Um, give or take. Uh, just a guess. Um, so the analogy I like to use is a shoestring. Okay? So let's imagine you take a shoestring and cut it five inches long. You grab it from the little plastic front, you know, on the, on the end of your shoelace. Grab it like a dart, and I want you to throw it like a dart at something. Right? And pay attention to how that thing flies. It's going to be kind of all over the place, right? Like like throwing a wet noodle. It's going to go, but it's going to die off really fast. Right? Yep. Now let's take a washer and tie it to the front and throw it. What happens? Not only is it going to carry further, right, with much more force, but it's also going to pull that string behind it, and it's going to fly in a straight line. That's what you're doing Thanks. with your so, arrow when you when you imply when you apply higher FOC. It's interesting. It's reminding me more now of uh, so I learned how to fly fish last summer or two two summers ago. It's all blowing together. Mm -hmm. But the difference of fly fishing is the heavy weight the heavy weight of line is in the back. It's pushing right. the line out, which is why you have to change the whole dynamic of how you cast and fish. You got to have that wind up, that ramp up, and then let it rip. Versus a traditional pole that I would come, maybe it's not traditional, but like a regular open, you know, bale or bait caster, you're letting that heavy right. lure carry all that weight out, um, which right. is why you can cast so, so, so much further. That's interesting. Exactly. Which is interesting. I'm trying exactly. to draw up all these comparisons in my mind. Well, and, and you can use that analogy, right? So let's say you're throwing, with a bait caster, you're throwing a jig head, right? Like a half ounce jig head. You can pinpoint a spot and cast right to it and it's going to take a nice, solid, straight line, right? And you can control yep. it much better. But with a fly rod, it takes you three or four casts because once you get into that into that spot and you let it go and you point your thumb right at that spot you want to hit, that line's going to kind of go in and it kind of looks like a noodle, right? And it's going to lay down and it's going to kind of whip that, that light bait forward and it's going to hit so much softer. It just kind of lands there super soft. Same kind of an analogy. You throw that half ounce jig head it hits the water with some force but you can <laughs> yeah. control it yeah it's kind of the same thing i mean it just cool you got to figure out an analogy that makes sense to you and there's yeah. a thousand of them out there and that's just but how like my mind works but and again I, I like this it. is just super broad this is super big barely scratching the surface just an idea to kind of get it in somebody's head they start to understand there's so much 
information that goes into it if you really want to dive into it to really understand it. Well, and you've proven that you have the ability to go deep and, and, you know, certainly I'm sure we could talk a lot more here, but we'll, we'll move things along just a little bit. We'll wrap up, but I always like to wrap up and don't feel the need to go fast here, but this is just a signal that we're nearing the end, but the end is often the best part because what I'm going to ask you now is I want you to tell me a story of your most memorable hunt. All righty. So, you know, I've actually told this story um, over the last, since last September, probably five or six times on other podcasts, but it, it, it's relevant. So it's got to be my bear hunt. And well, it was actually an elk hunt um, from, uh, I went to uh, Colorado last September. And uh, so last year, <laughs> okay. Not that long yeah, ago. It didn't, it, yeah, it was just last year. Uh, being a resident of Arizona is kind of ridiculous. So I've been putting in there for years and still have not drawn it back. Is it still the draw system there? And I said, wait a second here. Well. I'm going to, I'm going to have to disrupt your story because we have a caller in queue. Oh. So we're going to pick that right back up in Colorado in a moment. They're just yep. getting screened right now. So we have Austin Summers out of Galesburg, Illinois, calling into the show. Austin, you are live on the Where to Hunt podcast. Welcome to the show. What do you got for us? Oh, how are we doing? Well, were you still talking about the uh, most memorable hunt, were you? We're just yeah. about to get into it, and then you interrupted. <laughs> oh, geez, I'm horrible. I'm sorry. It's what okay. am I doing? You're out yeah. there fishing, making your own memories. Well, I was, and then we got stormed out, man. There's lightning touching down all over the place. Get out of That's there. like the third time you've been stormed out in the last week. Yeah, dude, I, we got stormed out yesterday. I was right in the middle of the tornado cell yesterday when we were Putting setting up cameras up cameras. And, in the middle of two miles out in the public land. Couldn't pull no phone, <laughs> no nothing. We were in the thick of it. Yeah. Holy hell. Well, uh, don't let me interrupt. I mean, you can finish your story up. I'd love to hear it. I just wanted to tune in on it. <laughs> Well, hell yeah. Why don't you stay on the line with us? Add, add some Absolutely. value to the show by hanging out. Yeah. All right. We'll continue I was, on. I was going to give the original input when you guys were done about Haas's setup he got me set up on and the the way I I thought it made it some great adjustments for me. And it I love the setup. That's what I was going to tune in on. But I'd yeah, love go, to hear go ahead, continue man. to I mean, talk. That way, so, go ahead well, and, and tell people because this is coming from um, – you know, from from a customer, right? So this is somebody. So Austin didn't have he was shooting two better arrows, and we went through this whole process of the like we just went through with you um, on deciding what to build, right? And so he'll be able to give you what he saw as a customer, not just what I'm telling people you're going to see. So that works great. now. I. I... Now, and that, I remember when I reached out to Haas originally, I had met him, and we talked about all this. And then finally, after further, you know, thinking on it and just kind of unsatisfaction with the sh- shooting with the arrows I was shooting, I contacted him and we went over everything. And he did the same layout, the same questions he asked you, you know, from start to finish, what I was shooting, um, my poundage, my draw, you know, my bo- everything from cams to, to to the broadhead I was shooting, and after we got it all discussed, you know, I told him I'm going to be shooting a lot. I love, oh, oh you, I was going to be shooting a lot of uh, whitetail, and I planned on going on a pretty big muley hunt. Well, I like power. That is one of my favorite things, and I like thunder. I like bringing the power, you know. So we got set up. We, 
he got me sent down to some black uh, eagle carnivores with a 250 spine. We went with a 200 grain, I believe, yeah, 200 grain outsert, and we set it up for, I believe, a 100 grain head. Correct, Hoss? Do you remember? Yep, yep. And uh, then, because I was going to be shooting, that was my average head now. Like, I'm, I'm going to be bumping it up to a 125 because I'm going to change broadheads. But this, that setup, I took it in the back. I shot it multiple times once we got it all on there, Justin, which is super easy. He gave me the breakdown on how to, you know, get everything inserted, the glues to use, how to go about everything. And at first, I was kind of having a little panic. I was like, I'm going to mess this up. But I got her done, and we got it all situated, and I started shooting and made the adjustments and you can not only can you hear it in that shot you can just see it in that in the performance of when that arrow takes off i mean it just it it just comes in like thunder i mean it, when it hits that when that first shot it hit that bag there was no question about it there was pure force behind it so then i started shooting at things with it i bought a, i got a couple arrows that were duds i wouldn't mind busting up and you know kept my originals for shooting and, and target practice and i started shooting things with it and the force that would blow, that would, you know, I took my regular original arrow setup, my 300 spine uh, zombie slayer with just a slick trick broadhead on it. And I shot at a stump. And then I took the 250 Black Eagle and I took with the ethics, arch with the whole ethics setup on it with the same broadhead and shot that stump. And I took that arrow through that stump. I mean, like, it was with no hesitation. I mean, I've done everything for shooting cow legs and the bone, you know, it's just the the amount of difference in the in the consistency behind it. Like, my long-grade shooting even turned out to get better once I started doing that with the more weight and just the amount of impact. I mean, I was from 50 yards to 10 and 10 yards, I was still blowing through it just easy with no question. And I'm more than excited. I haven't got to go out. I did take them out on my turkey hunt. And I did get my turkey this year, and I shot the first one with it, and then I ran out of arrows in Nebraska. <laughs> and so I, uh-huh. my setup was pretty much cashed out on that end. But that was what I wanted to say as far as on that is that, I mean, they get you, you talk to Hoss, and Hoss gets you just squared up fast, you know, and he doesn't pull your chain, you know. He, he told me what my setup would do, you know, and exactly how it would do it, and I, I've, I've come to love it, you know. I, I put it like I'm getting ready to build a whole new arrow set up right now and uh i don't i just i think it was an amazing change like everything about it just turned out perfect you know it, it's going to be great for my long range mule deer hunt i can't wait to lay the smack down in the brass on one <laughs> Gee, that's awesome now, there's, that's a great there's testimony there's something i want to point out so archery whether it be target archery or hunting it's 90 percent mental 10% physical as far as shooting the bow, right? So, boosting confidence is a huge, huge factor, especially when it comes to hunting, right? So, we've just taken an, somebody who had some some qualms or some issues with their arrow setup or some doubt, right? And put them into something where they were able to practice with it, play with it, test it, and build their confidence with it right, that confidence level in itself, knowing that you can tuck a little bit closer to that shoulder where you're supposed to be, and, and you know, just knowing that I'm going to put my pin right here, and I'm going to shoot, and if I hit anywhere in this area, that's a dead animal, 
even if it hits phone, I know I'm gonna I'm gonna get up to penetration. It allows you to take that anxiety out of the equation and boost your your confidence, and that is a huge factor. And you can hear it just the way he talks about the setup. That his confidence level in his setup is through the roof, and that's oh, a huge absolutely. factor. And I hadn't had that before. I mean, I was always I felt comfortable shooting. You know, I I I go through my moments where I have things I notice I need to adjust. But with that confidence and that arrow going to that deer, that that as my far as me knowing that that's going to do its job, that whole setup, and I you know, and I don't have to worry about anything. I'm a hundred percent keen in on that arrow setup being exactly what I need, and I know it's going to do exactly what I want it to do and need it to do. That's a big factor. I mean, there. if you're listening to this and, and you're not wanting to at least try it, I've learned so, so much from this episode. And this is my favorite part about doing a podcast, is that I get to talk to you know, people that are behind the helm of some of these companies like yours and seeing that knowledge firsthand. It's just great. Austin, thanks so much for calling in, man. I'm going to let you go. There's some background and feedback. So I appreciate the call yeah, to the show. Yeah, right. I apologize about that. Oh, good, man. I, it's it's later, great that you called in. Thank you. Yep, you guys have a good one. Thank you. We'll see you, man. See ya. All right. So, that's yeah, that's stuff, a man. perfect example right there, man. And, again, it's, you don't have to go to the extreme that he did, you know what I'm saying, right out of the gate. Uh, there's baby steps, and we can play with it. And it's just the, the thing about it is, people in the right mindset of being more intimate with their setup and the more you understand about your setup like when we started right you you know a lot of guys don't know what arrow shaft they're shooting what the spine is they don't know a lot of these things and by getting this involved with it you learn so much more about your setup and the more you know about the technical side of your setup the more confidence you're building in it and confidence is such a big key factor when it comes to shooting a bow. Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. I'm happy he called in to tell that. I'm glad we got someone caller. Interrupting or not, it'll take, we'll take them. There's, I was just giving, I was just busting your balls, Austin, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Real quick. Speaking of interruptions, this clip is brought to you by Backwoods Grind Coffee. Just Take yourself to a place real quick where the alarm clock just went off, but you got up anyways because you wanted to be out in the woods. So you just brew yourself a nice cup of fireside backwoods grind coffee. It goes something like this. Now that you've had some refreshing backwoods grind coffee, fireside dark roast, we'll get back to the show. You were in Colorado. Let's start there. Yeah, so I'm in Colorado. So we get we get to where we're going to be hunting, and uh, we get to the cabin, and I go upstairs, 
put all my stuff down. I'm coming down for, for, for supper. We're going to start the hunt the next day. And uh, so <laughs> I come down the stairs, and I miss the bottom step coming down and snap my big toe on my right foot in half. <laughs> snap it. It's 90 degrees. Oh, so, God. This is the night before a, a Colorado elk hunt. Oh, now, I'm already a really, yeah, I'm a really big dude in terrain that's going to be extremely challenging. And now I have a broken toe. So we set the toe. And uh, I had one of, my, uh, one of our pro staff at uh, a Hawaii. Um, he was he he was kind of uh, part of setting this whole hunt up, Stephen Olivaros, and he's on our pro staff. He came out and uh, he, he we set the thing and taped it up and had our stuff and we went out the next day. We started hiking, and uh, so I'm already kind of <laughs> disadvantaged already, right? Being big yep. and having a broken toe, and so to kind of give you an idea on the elevation changes where we were hunting it was. We started off at 10,600 feet. We drove all the way up the logging road to the very top of the highest peak in our unit, 10,600 feet. And we hiked down and then back up and down and back up and all these different mountain ranges to get to where we were going to get picked up at in the evening. And when we got picked up in the evening, it was 5,200 feet elevation. Damn. This is going to give you an idea on the on the kind of terrain we were in. So we're going through the process, and kind of make a long story short, uh, on the third day we do get into a few bulls, a couple bulls, and uh, they're right there. Uh, they're about 65 yards out, but the oak brush is so thick, it wouldn't come into the clearing from the oak brush. So unfortunately, I didn't get to lose an arrow on an elk. Um that same day, after we had the encounter with the elk, we're coming back and stop. We kind of sit down. We're going to have a sandwich real quick and um, eat something, get some water in us, take kind of a breather for lunchtime. And I go to get up, and I felt something tear in my abdomen. And I actually, I got a hernia. And I felt the Fuck. muscle tear. And now I have a bulge sticking out from the hernia. Like on, a, like I'm picturing still, like an inner tube warm. on a bike tire or something like that, but obviously the pain associated with that I can't. I didn't. I had a hernia as a baby, but I have no. I obviously no recollection of it. But Jesus, man. Yeah. So it rips. I feel it rip, and now I have this bulge, and I'm like, oh, that's not good. <laughs> and <laughs> trust me, there were several instances on this hunt where I really wanted to quit, right? Um, but I made a point of doing this hunt knowing that it was extremely challenging on the physical and mental side. And I was able to push through and it. And dangerous. Um, we get off the mountain. Oh, yeah, for sure. We get off the mountain. You know, they were kind of worried about whether or not I was going to be able to go out again and whatnot. I, I pushed through it. Get all the way to day five. We go chasing these elk up on this big ridge. By the time we get there, they're gone. And I had to make a decision at that point. We're on the last day, and I'm like, man, if I go any further, 
I might not get out of here. Like, just from the pain aspect of it. So we might as well go ahead and turn back. And it's the last day. And we get about 200 yards from the truck, and I hear something up on the side of the mountain above us. Can't see anything. The oak brush is so thick. But it almost sounded like a, a tree falling, how you, know, you get that cracking, and you get that pop of the base. But yep. no actual falling of the tree. And this is going on and on and on. And I'm like, went told the guide, and I was like, hey, that sounds like a bear that's rubbing, tearing apart an old log, eating grub. He sat there and listened to it for, for a minute. He goes, yeah, I think you're right. So we started calling to it. We, we used a cow call. It kind of got its attention because the sound stopped, and then he went back to it again. Then we blew that calf call. When he hit that calf call, that thing came at a dead sprint from straight up above us. Now, I got nowhere to go. We're on a three-foot-wide path, game trail, that was side-going across this mountainside. Behind me is a 60-foot drop-off. I can't go that way. I can go That's left why they right. kept you with them, so that way you could be bare-based, so they could run off. Yeah, all they had to do was outrun me, right? Well, this actually, yeah, it's no. funny you say that, because it actually went through my mind at this point. I look over, guy's gone. I mean, he's, he looks like Tasmanian devil, man. There's, there's a dust trail behind him. He's booking it. And I'm like, oh, shit. So I turn and I look up and all I can see, I can't see the bear. But all I see is the, the oak brush parting like the Red Sea coming down in a beeline right for me. So I came to full draw and I just held my pin on the oak brush in front of me. And that bear came through the oak brush. And as soon as he came through it, I hammered him, shot him right in the face. I shot him about an inch away from his muzzle and about two inches low of his eye, right in the cheekbone. Wow. I shot that bear at three yards on a full charge. So did he, did he end up like went, landing on you or what? No, he actually put the brakes on and then turned and went side to, to my to my right, went uh, side hill, and then eventually took a path downhill. Um, but I changed his mind really quick when I hit him with that arrow. Now, the arrow setup that I was shooting and the bow setup, so – I was shooting 29 inches at 70 pounds. Um, my arrow that I was shooting was actually a serious arrow shaft. And it's a new company coming out that we've actually partnered with. Uh, they're going to be coming out here. I believe they're going to be launching uh, hopefully either this weekend or next weekend. Um, great, great arrow company, great shaft. I actually had some of the prototypes uh, on that hunt. And it was a micro diameter arrow. So it was a 165 or 166. Uh, internal diameter, so it's a micro. And uh, I was shooting 100, it was a 300 spine on that one. Um, okay. They didn't have any of the 250s in yet. And so I had to tailor it a little bit lighter than I wanted to for the L cut. Uh, but that arrow shaft ended up coming in at 625 grains total arrow weight. Okay. About 19% FOC. Hmm. And uh, so, I mean, good, good arrow. Good all around arrow. Yeah, solid. Based on what you've told uh, me so far. Yeah, so I shoot this bear in the face. Now, this is the kind of thing that I like to talk about, especially the guys that are, like, all about 100% speed, right? And they don't factor in the penetration aspect of it. Right. They think that speed kills. Now, because I went through that, I like to ask people, would you, you like a light, fast arrow, right? Yep. Would you bet your life on it? Boom. The million-dollar question. Because I had to that, bet my life on mine. 
I don't think you could have a more memorable hunt, and that's almost close to a nightmare, to be honest. Yeah. You know. Well, get this. So I hit him in the cheekbone. It goes through the cheekbone, out the back of the jowl, the the jowl, because you know when I hit him, he turned and kind of tucked. Yep. Went out the jowl into the shoulder, broke the shoulder, went all the way down the left side of his body, taking out one lung, and came out the rump. Which is different than just a standard broadside stand and still animal. He's coming at you. The arrow's coming to him. That doubles the impact speed, right? And that could have made things really ugly if you didn't have that strong of a setup. Exactly. So I literally put that setup from nose to tail lengthwise through that animal. So when we talk about what you test your products on, (laughs) let's just start with that next time. (laughs) <laughs> right oh my so god that's the kind of penetration that we're talking about building when you do these types of arrow builds and you use a component system that's designed for that kind of impact because if you don't have a component system that is designed for that type of impact that arrow could have hit him in the cheekbone which is a very very thick bone on a bow or on a uh, on a bear and he wasn't i, I mean i got all the uh information back from colorado parks and wildlife because they take a tooth and they actually give you a, a an email. It takes about six months, but they'll send you an email because they test that tooth. They tell you where that bear was born, which mountain range it was born on. They can tell you how old it was, everything. The whole genealogy on that bear. And cool. uh, he was That's a cool. five and a half year old bear. He was three, right oh. around 300 pounds, just a little over 300 pounds. And it went lengthwise from nose to tail can't imagine i can't imagine so that's the kind of things that we're talking about that was an inopportune shot right it was not it, it was worst possible case scenario but i prepared for it and a lot of these arrow shafts out there especially what we call cookie cutters the components are not designed for that type of impact and, and the reason why i say that is because arrow companies you have to understand when you're using a factory component arrow companies are just that aero company they're not component company and i've had this conversation with all the man with the majority of the manufacturers out there with owners of these companies okay and they will agree they're not component company they're not built for that when you buy an arrow from a from any from any company generally you're going to get the lowest cost component that you can get because all they're doing is providing you something to be able to screw a field point or a broadhead in. Yep. So you can utilize that shaft, right? That That's all it's for. That is not their product. A lot of people want to, you know, they shoot a deer in the shoulder and it breaks off. They go, oh, well, the arrow failed. No, the arrow, it's not the arrow. The arrow was fine. It was the component that caused the failure. And that's what a lot of people don't associate. So they want to, like, badmouth a uh, an arrow company because they had an arrow that failed. It's not nine out of ten times. It's not the well for the arrow companies that are going to integrate your your products into. Um, that's a different story, right? Because as yeah. an arrow company, it's they a, could stand behind the whole be product. Story. Yeah. So we've got yep. a couple of companies. Uh, one is Serious Arrows. It's uh, Serious Arrow uh, in Serious Arrow compo- or Arrow Products. Um, I can't believe I screwed that up. Um, it's you're like me. I'm rubbing off on you, man. See? Yeah. It's so the, serious archery products. Um, got it. 
Air Aero Shafts, when, when, when they launch, um, you know, look them up. Every Aero Shaft you buy from them will actually come standard built into the price with our components, with Ethics Archery components. And the same thing is going to go for another Aero company coming out called Dirty North, which is out of Colorado. Um, we've actually got some other companies right now that are currently using our system as an upgrade. Um, Killing Sticks out of Canada. Um, they're using our, you can get an ethics archery upgrade. Uh, we also have Jerry down at South Shore. Uh, Jerry's been in the business a long time. He does custom arrow builds and custom crossbow bolts. All of his components are going to be using ethics archery components as well. And we recently just signed a deal and went, went into a, a partnership with Grizzly Stick. Cool. Uh, where Grizzly Stick is going to, here very shortly, going to be offering a ethics archery upgrade. So when you buy the shafts from them, their factory components are going to come with the shaft. But if you want to do an, an upgrade, you can get ethics archery components. So that says something. That says a lot. And now you guys, this has been a great episode. I've, I've learned a new thing that's hard to do in this day and age in this industry, I think. So, you know, hopefully people that tuned in to the live broadcast and those that'll listen in podcast land, um, got some real good value out of this. Um, this is going to be one that's going to be replayed several times for me. And I don't do that often because I don't like listening to myself talk. But that being said too, it's going to make a lot of sense, I think, to get you guys back on, um, once those oh, deals are sure. signed, but as we head into archery season, looking at, you know, August and September here in Wisconsin, I'd love to re-up you guys on the show and, um, you know, re-educate people and, and dig deeper into some of the comment, as a, and some of the content as a, as a 102 as opposed to a 101 episode. Um, you know, but yeah. maybe just share real quick, you know, with the people listening, it's very important that they know where they can find you if that's just, you know, through your website or the different social channels. Yeah. I know sometimes names aren't available, so... I'd like to make sure that yeah. you get that opportunity. For sure. So if you go to www.ethicsarchery.com, uh, you'll be able to view all of our products that we have. And if you send us a message um, through the website, it goes direct. I'll get that message. It comes directly to me. Um, also, you know, if you go to my personal Facebook, Bruce Ritter Clark, and then uh, I have a public figure page as well. Um, it's Bruce Ritter Clark Haas. Um, you can send me messages there. Um, you get on just about any forums in social media and start talking about ethics archery or hashtag my name. Um, you're going to find me and, uh, you can actually call me directly. Um, I do give out my personal cell phone everywhere because this is how I run, you know, uh, my customer service and how I talk to our customers through my personal cell phone, uh, because I do travel so much. Uh, and my number is 480. 251-1367. And if anybody ever has any questions or wants to, you know, even just try to understand it more, by all means, give me a call. We'll, we'll sit down, we'll figure something out. And even if you don't purchase products from us, ethics archery per se, and you just want to learn, I'm all about sharing what knowledge I do have with people to get them thinking more about hunting more ethically and building their setup. You you are the setup. first and only guest to give up their personal cell phone number on the podcast. Um, <laughs> for everybody listening, 
pay close attention. That's never been done before. This is 82 episodes of the Word On podcast, and we have our first guest that's given out his personal cell phone number to be contacted for customer service because he believes that much in the product that he's putting out there. Um, thank you so much, Haas, for being on the yeah, show, for having me. aka the Arrow Doctor, aka Bruce. I appreciate it, man. Yeah. Anytime, and anytime you want to have me back on, man, we can we can get into the like D Rock would say the the nitty gritty, the nitty the nitty gritty, yeah, yeah. the nitty gritty. Yeah, you do have yeah, uh, a good one. <laughs> so you know, I'm gonna you end the live feed just a minute here. I'm just gonna call out real quick. Um, I'll keep you on the line for a moment. I'm wearing this hat. If you see on the screen, backcountry hunters and anglers paired with. This awesome shirt that says Venison by Huntland, um, H-N-T-L-N-D. Huntland has uh, raised a promotion or raised some money for backcountry hunters and anglers because we put our money where our mouth is. We believe in conservation, so we simply literally put together a shirt design, threw it out to the Internet, got some sales and donated every single stinking penny of profit and donations to conservation and the the organization we chose was backcountry hunters and anglers so if you like the shirt i'm wearing it's a shameless plug for me um if you can see the screen you can go check it out at huntland's facebook page uh that's h-n-t-l-n-d so and also common hunter up in the corner if you are trying to prep and prepare for the upcoming season or whatever season's in season for you you can get 15 percent off of their products if you use the code where the number two the word hunt so just some some value to throw out to everybody out there to promote conservation, to promote local businesses, um, as well as ethics, archery. We're going to get a code from those guys for our next episode, so pay attention to the corner of the screen uh, next Tuesday when we go live again. So that being said, we're going to go ahead and end the live stream. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in today. Okay, tip of the week. I'm going to do my very best to recant what Haas had shared with us about calculating the FOC. That's the FOC for everybody who thought I just sweared. FOC, from my understanding, stands for front of center. And to determine the front of center of an arrow, there are what I believe to be five steps. Divide the arrow's overall length, so the distance to the bottom of the knock groove to the end of the shaft, by two. Okay, so divide the arrow's overall length by two. So whatever that is, divide that by two. You're gonna need a calculator. I know I would. Most zones come with a calculator. We're all in luck. Find the balance point, right? So put your finger under the arrow and get it to balance evenly, right? This is where the arrow balances perfectly. Mark the point and measure from the throat of the knock. Okay? Then subtract the center of the arrow measurement. So what we have in step one, which was divide the arrow's overall length by two. So let me back up here. So, so far, step one, divide the arrow, arrow's overall length. Step two, find the balance point and measure from the throat of the knock. Then subtract the center of the arrow measurement, calculated from step one, from the balance point, okay? Which was calculated in step two. Then multiply the resulting number in step three by 100. So whatever number you just got times 100. Then divide the resulting number from that step, step four, by the arrow's overall length. This is the FOC of your arrow. Now, if that sounds complicated, it's because it is. 
in theory. I think actually, if you were to go do this, it's pretty straightforward. And if it is too complicated, and if you're like me and you can't do math, because you might get the plague if you try to do it, and you might look like you're passing a kidney stone, you just go ahead and call Bruce um, with Ethics Archery, give them a call, send them an email, and he will help you figure this stuff out. He is really good at what he does. He knows his shit through and through. He's an expert expert. Um, he does not know everything as he's um, explained on the show, but he loves to help people. So, you know, this might be one of those things that you could try to do on your own. And and at the very least, maybe just get some affirmation from him. If you think you got it, just say, hey, I think I got it. This is what I did. Here's the numbers. Can you tell me if this is correct? And then, you know, from there, he can probably help you pick out what you need um, based on your setup, a.k.a. what's your draw length? What is your um, draw weight? And, um, you know, what kind of bow are you shooting? Single cam, double cam, etc. What type of animal are you actually hunting? Those are some of the questions that he asked me on the show today, to which I knew very little of other than I hunt whitetail deer um, and I shoot a single cam bear empire see i forgot already again anyways thanks for tuning into this week's show that's my tip of the week i hope i was able to add value to your day um you know get everybody some some good insight and some great information from a great company if you love the show a rating and a review on itunes is great and a share does even more share the the show with a buddy a hunting buddy a friend a pal whoever a pal a gal whoever you know and uh, spread the word it means a ton And, you know, stay safe out there and hunt public.